0: Dr. Shante and welcome to Believe in Bigger Podcast. So here we are. You know, I'm I'm feeling some kind of way. Uh, this is the last pod class series for 2017. Uh, these last three episodes are gonna be phenomenal, but they're not going to be pod classes, Um, but I do have something very special for you guys. Um, In fact, that's a great segue into the 12. You are going to be hearing about this over the next handful of episodes. The 12 is my mastermind coaching collective, and I have been with a phenomenal group of people for the past 12 months, and we have met every month. We have talked about a number of issues that have dealt with our personal growth, as well as our professional development, and sometimes when you are in this entrepreneurial journey, one of the things that I have gotten feedback a lot from listeners is this is my virtual mentor. This is my virtual mentor. Dr. Shante is my virtual mentor. I listen to you every morning and then I listen to you every night. And I appreciate that. Y'all got me on the treadmill. I appreciate that because I'm not even on the treadmill. So bless your heart for having me with you in, in that place. Okay. In the place to be. But if you know that going into 2018, that you need some momentum, that you need some accountability, if you need to be encouraged, because sometimes your circle loves you, but they're not encouraging you in the ways that you need to be encouraging your purpose, Uh, then I'm going to encourage you to join the 12. And so it is focused on transformation and mindset, accountability, especially you get to personally check in with me And we also have personal meetups where we meet face to face. And so if you are interested in doing that, I encourage you to go to DrShante.com. If you click on the menu, it says work with me. And when you click on work with me, you will see mentoring for the 12. And that's what this is. It is an intentional relationship. And one thing that I made very clear to everybody that applied last year, I said, listen, This ain't the three, this ain't the four, this ain't the six. I said, when I say 12 months, I mean 12 months. And this is the first time that I have been that committed to a group of people For the duration of the year and you are going to hear in the last couple of episodes from some of the 12ers from some of the people that have been a part of this experience and will tell you about the transformations that they have had and I think that you will be blessed by it because I know that I have so that is that so here's what I want to talk to you about today recognizing your value okay recognizing your value this is very important and we are coming from Genesis 25, 27 through 34. And I know you're thinking that's a lot of verses, but sometimes you can't just pick the one. You got to pick a grouping of the verses. And here's what those verses say. It says, The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Verse 28 says, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob once when Jacob was cooking some stew Esau came in from the open country famished and he said to his brother Jacob quick let me have some of that red stew I am famished and Jacob replied first sell me your birthright Esau said look I'm about to die what good is the birthright to me but Jacob said swear to me first So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. And so Esau despised his birthright, despised meaning he gave it up without a second thought. And so just to give you guys some context, Jacob and Esau, Jacob and Esau are the twins. Okay, These are the first set of of twins that we see in the Bible, and they were fraternal twins. Esau was a big strapping kind of hairy guy. OK, and Jacob was, you know, thin, <laughs> hairless. You know, there's they, one of those things where if you looked at them, you wouldn't have even known that they were brothers. They were so different in their appearance. And the Bible says that Isaac and Rebekah, their parents, Isaac, the father, favored Esau while Rebekah favored Jacob. And so here's what we're going to be talking about today with regard to recognizing your value. Number one, we're going to be talking about your position, your position, because God has positioned you for inheritance. Number two, a bad trade. What future blessings are you trading for immediate satisfaction? And number three, seller's remorse. We're going to be talking about Esau's regret. So let's jump right into it. So here's the thing about Esau. Esau was the oldest of the fraternal twin boys. And when he arrived, the Bible says when he came out of the womb, his brother Jacob was clutching at his heel. Imagine that. Because usually when there's twins, they're like, oh, we're one minute apart. We're two minutes apart. No, Jacob came out literally hot on his heels. He was clutching on to his brother's heel. And so they literally came out almost together, one right after the other. And so Esau, as the eldest, he was positioned to receive a double portion of his father's inheritance. That was his birthright. As the first son, he was entitled to double, okay? And Esau is described as someone who was good with his hands. He was a hunter, but his brother Jacob was good with his mind. And Jacob is known as the trickster. And so Esau was hasty. He was careless. He was quick tempered and he was a short term thinker. And we're going to talk about how many of us find ourselves in that Esau position. So let me give you some context about Isaac, okay? So when we're talking about how Esau despised his birthright and and how Jacob made a point to say, swear to me. He said, swear to me and I'll give you something to eat. Here's what was at stake. The Bible says in Genesis, um, talking about Isaac's wealth, It said, Isaac had planted crops in that land and that the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. Isaac was balling out of control, okay? Like he had that he had that—that that Steve Jobs money, okay? <laughs> he had that Steve Jobs money. And so when Jacob looked at the natural order of things and he saw that his brother Esau was gonna get a double portion of that Steve Jobs type money while Esau was out there working in the fields, Jacob was at home running things over in his mind, running those numbers over in his mind. And so we're gonna talk about how that, is related to your position because the word often references our inheritance with Christ in heaven. But what about now? Okay, we always talk about, you know, heaven and, and the streets are paved with gold and, and in my father's house are many mansions. We always talk about that. But what about now? How has God positioned us now? And so I wanna give you some of those scriptures that talk about how God has positioned us now. The first being Jeremiah 29, 11, which you should know by now, especially if you listen to this podcast, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to Prosper You to give you a future and a hope. So that means that right now God is positioning you to prosper you to give you a future and a hope. Ephesians 1 and 3 through 8 says praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. God's love, that is. He predestined us, okay, so he already chose us for adoption through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, Jesus, that is, we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of our sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And so when we talk about our position, how are we positioned? We are positioned for abundance. And I know that sometimes when we hear that word, we we think we hear a cash register ringing like, OK, bring me that money. But I want you to stop for a minute and think about abundance. Think about truly what you have. and Oftentimes, we don't think that we are in a position of abundance for two reasons. Number one, we tend to think about abundance as, well, all the blessings have been given out and I guess I came up on the short end of the stick, okay? When I look at what this person has and what that person has, the blessings were given out, I got my my portion and I guess I just didn't get as much as the next person and that type of limiting will always, always put you in a mindset of scarcity. Blessings don't run out. Okay, blessings don't run out. God didn't didn't shake out the bag and be like, "Okay, that's it okay you know it doesn't work that way and another thing when we talk about abundance we tend to think about what we don't have and I say this all the time but what have you done with what you do have okay so what God is saying is that not only have I blessed you okay that you should want for nothing because the Bible says I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread and so even though you might not be where you want to be and desire to be you not hungry you are not cold and you not naked And if you got a job, you're not broke. There it is. And so how are we positioned not only for prosperity, but the Bible says that we have been given redemption, that we've been given forgiveness, that we have been blessed in according with God's riches, and that if we want wisdom and understanding. So what that means, what all of that scripture means, is that we are uniquely positioned to seize any and every opportunity to succeed according to the will of god proverbs 3 1 through 6 says this my son do not forget my teaching but keep my commands in your heart for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity verse 3 says let love and faithfulness never leave you bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of god And man, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. And so how are you positioned? Okay, you might not be positioned for Steve Jobs type money. okay, but how are you positioned? You are positioned in such a way that if you trust God, if you follow God, if you submit to God, the Bible says that you will find favor and a good name, not only with God, but with man. So here's the thing. When you're talking about position, a position is a place of potential. OK, so position is not where you are, but also where you have the potential to go. So how has God positioned you? He has positioned you to go limitlessly to the top and beyond. But the question is, are you willing to do your part? Are you willing to do your part? In Esau's case, he didn't have to do nothing but live. OK, the the fact that he came out first, that was just that was of no design of his. Okay, he just happened to be in the right place in the right time. But God has said, I've been intentional in how I've positioned you. Okay, with every opportunity to succeed and prosper, which brings us to a bad trade. So here in our text in verse 30, he said to Jacob, this is Esau. Quick, let me have some of that red stew. I am famished. And Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. He said, well, look, I'm about to die. What good is the birthright to me? but jacob said swear to me first so he swore an oath to him selling his birthright to jacob and my question to you believers is what did esau give up and for what i want you to think about giving up steve jobs type money for a catfish dinner pretty much <laughs> okay like just you you gave up steve jobs type money okay a uh, long range wealth Because, you know, wealth is different from riches. Riches, you know, you any of us can have riches, but wealth is that generational can pass down and sustain a family from generation to generation. What we like to call old money. okay? that old money. And so Esau gave up old money for a plate for some beans, grease, potatoes, tomatoes. That's what he gave it up for because he was hungry in the moment. He was famished in the moment. He was frustrated in the moment. And he was like, I don't care about, I don't care about the future. I, I want what I want right now. All I care about right now is what is immediately important to me. And so Esau gave up Steve Jobs type money for a plate. And so here's the connection, believers. Here's what I want you to take away from this. Too often, too often, we give up long-term value For short term gain. We will give up big money later for quick money now. What they say, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. So we'll just take what we can get right now, shake somebody down right now, and miss out on on long term riches because we don't want to wait. I just take what I can get. Tomorrow ain't promised. You know, just take the money and run. And so Esau's blessing, here's the kicker, was already established, but it was not immediate. And because it was not immediate, he did not recognize the value. He saw the immediate benefit in a plate of food. He saw the immediate benefit in not being hungry for the next hour. He did not see the immediate benefit in having to wait until his father died for him to get that Steve Jobs type money. And so likewise, believers, oftentimes we give up future blessings. We give up tremendous value because we don't see the immediate return. Since we don't see the immediate return on investment, then we will just take what we can get. We'll we'll quote unquote cut our losses or we'll cut and run and we'll take the money in hand and then go on and then realize later, dang, if I had a waited, dang, if I had a stayed in school, dang, if I okay? So we tend to have those types of regrets. So here's the kicker. What Esau gave up did not even compare to what he gained. It did not even compare. This was like some Jack and the Beanstalk type stuff. So I hope that you guys, you know, I'm not the only person familiar with fairy tales. Y'all know about Jack and the Beanstalk, okay? So if you, if you haven't heard that story, Google it real quick. You know, Jack and his mama was poor. Okay, They was poor, and the only thing of value that they had to try to sustain the family was an old cow. And so his mama said, look Jack, now you go take this cow and you go sell this cow and we're going to take that money and we're going to buy some seed and we're going to plant and we're going to use that plant to grow a crop and that crop is going to sustain us. But Jack didn't do that. That wasn't an immediate return. Jack happened upon somebody that sold him some magic beanstalk beans. And gave up the one valuable asset that he had for some magic beans. And I'm believers, y'all laugh at Jack, but I'm telling you this happens in real life. You might not have gave up some magic beanstalk beans, but what did you give up? What assets did you give up? And I'm not just talking about entrepreneurship. I'm talking about in life. I'm talking about in relationships. What you didn't gave up to some fool who wasn't worth it? To some female that was all hips, lips, and fingertips. And that was about it. That was about it, okay? So we gave up a a tremendous asset, the asset of waiting on God to bless us with what we really need for something that's just right here in our face for some magic beanstalk quick fix type of stuff. And so that's not real life. Now, in the Jack and the Beanstalk story, here's what happened. You know, the beanstalk grew. He went up to the giant fee-fi-fo-fum. And long story short, he ended up leaving the giant's home with a goose that laid golden eggs. But believers that's just not how it works for us. <laughs> okay. It was a happy ending for Jack, but that's not how it works in the real world. Okay. So too many of us don't recognize the value and waiting. We don't recognize the value. And so we trade away our inheritance for things that leave us broke and no further along than where we started. If I'm lying, I'm flying. I know I'm right about it. I know I am. Cause I've lived this story. I've lived this story. So my question to you is, how often do we let people come into our lives and waste our time on promises of short-term satisfaction and miss out on something more substantial? Somebody comes along and be like, oh, I really like what you're doing, or I really like what you're going with that. You know, you should come over here and do this. And you know that that's not what God's plan is for you, but it looks good-ish, it sounds goodish, it seems all rightish. And so because it's right there in your face and it's an opportunity, you think to yourself, well, why not? And the time that you waste on that short term bridge to nowhere is time that you could have been spending reinvesting in the thing that God has called you to do in the first place. And so which brings me to my next point. Somebody recognizes the value of what you have coming. Believe that. Somebody recognizes the value of what you have coming. They may not say it to you direct, but if you think that people are not watching you, if you are actively in the commission of working your purpose, somebody is watching what you're doing, they seeing where you're going, and don't think they don't see the value. They absolutely see the value. And so while Esau was out in the fields working, Jacob was at home scheming, which means that somebody is always watching what you do, anticipating your next move, and studying your weaknesses. They were twins. Jacob knew his brother back to front. He knew where his points of vulnerability were and he exploited them. Hebrews 12:16 and 17 talks about Esau and it says this. It says, see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Verse 17 says afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Believers, how often have we found ourselves there? We did not recognize our value. And then we realized later on down the line that we should not have given it up, that we should have waited, that we should have held on, that we should have been obedient if we had just recognized the value in God's timing instead of pressing on our timing because we're getting so tired of waiting and we're getting so tired of of doing good, okay? And, And we didn't got weary in our journey that now somebody then came along and deceived us. And the Bible says, and Esau regretted that decision. He had seller's remorse. The Bible says that he went back and sought the blessing with tears because he begged Isaac. He was like, come on, dad, come on. You ain't got nothing for me. Come on. But it was too late. It was too late. You know, we like to say that we serve a God of a second chance, but you know what? It might not be that same chance. Okay, you might have missed your beat. How often have you watched things like uh The Price is Right or or Let's Make a Deal? And so, you know, they'll give up one prize package and say, "I want to see what's behind the curtain." Or I want to see, you know, what's behind, you know, door number 2. And then That door open, that curtain open, and it's a a can of pork and beans or something crazy like that. And you didn't gave up a Mercedes Benz because you thought you was going to get some cash money, you know, and even though that's an extreme example, but you know, I'm right about it. We always are in that mindset. It's like, well, let me see what else. Well, let me see what else. Well, let me see what else. And when you say, let me see what else, that means that the blessing that has already been established for you is not good enough. And if you don't appreciate what God has done, ask yourself, do I deserve to hold on to it? Which brings us to seller's remorse. So Genesis twenty-seven thirty says, As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. His father, Isaac, said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it before you came and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his fathers, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me even also, oh, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. So Jacob didn't get him once, Jacob got him twice. So as Isaac was getting on in years, okay, and he knew that that he was knocking on death's door. When that time came, he said, "Before I go, I want to bless my son, Esau. I want to bless you, you know, with with a portion of health and strength and 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 crops and all of that." And so when Rebecca, Isaac's wife, she was shady business, okay. When she heard that she sent Esau out into the field and was like, go on out there and, and hunt game because Isaac wanted some game. He said, go out there, give me something to eat, fix me a plate, and then I'll bless you. And so while Esau was out in the field, Rebecca came with some some already prepared dishes, okay, that she had skin, that she had prepared, and then she deceived her husband by placing the goat skin on her son Jacob because Jacob was hairless. Esau was hairy, Jacob was hairless. And so he put goat skin, the skins of the goats, and, and tricked Isaac. Isaac into blessing Jacob instead of Esau and Isaac had even said he said you know you feel like Esau but you sound like Jacob but because his eyes had failed him he didn't know no better so he just went on ahead with it so that was what happened before we got to these verses right here Matthew 10 16 17 says behold I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves so be wise as serpents and innocent and doves brothers and sisters believers everybody that's in your circle ain't necessarily in your corner that's just real everybody that's in your circle ain't necessarily in your corner. I was just telling somebody, I went to this really ghetto concert on <laughs> Friday this past weekend. And it was, you know, like Buster Rhymes because, you know, I'm 90s. That was college for me. Like, so Buster Rhymes was like the it back then. And so, you know, Buster Rhymes, Brandy Monica, and then like a bunch of like thuggish, ruggish, hoodlum type groups and what's funny is when the hoodlum type groups came on i'm telling you i'm not joking if it was two people in the rap group it was 40 people in the back of the rap group just just hyping them up you know and i'm like why is everybody and their baby mama on the back in the back of the stage? Like, what's going on? Like, why does it take 40 people for two people to come out here and rap a song? Y'all ain't part of the group, but everybody and their mama was back there, you know, the entourage, okay? And I'm telling you, that entourage, everybody that's in your circle ain't necessarily in your corner. In this situation, it was as close as brother. It was as close as mama wasn't in her son's corner. And so what I want to encourage you to do is stop turning a blind eye to red flags in people's character. When people show you who they are, believe them. Believe them. Stop excusing behavior. Stop dismissing behavior. Stop writing it off as, oh, he was just or oh, she was just. Because I'm going to tell you something. We can fool anybody for a little while. But when you demonstrate a consistent pattern of behavior, your true self is always going to come to surface. And so when people have consistently revealed themselves to you, stop explaining away that behavior and stop turning a blind eye to it. Because the people that are closest to you have the greatest potential to hurt you, expose you and deceive you. Think about that because they know all your dirt. They know all your secrets. They live with you. They know when your knees is ashy, all of that. Okay, they know all of those things. And so when you are with the people that are closest to you have the greatest potential, which is why you have to be very careful who's in your circle. Case in point, Jesus had 12 disciples, but only three of them was in the inner tight circle. Okay, even Jesus knew that. And he knew everything about every disciple before he called them past, present and future. And he chose three and said, here's the three I'm going to keep close. Everybody else, I'm going to keep a little bit at arm's length. Another point believers exercise wisdom okay pray for discernment and revelation sometimes for, the, for going into 2018 some of you need to be praying to God lord reveal and remove reveal and remove show me open my eyes that i might see reveal and remove avoid shortcuts Ain't no just add water blessings. It don't work like that. If you've listened to this podcast any amount of time, ain't no just add water blessings. God will bless you in due time. And he sets the due date. And keep in mind too, the bigger your inheritance, the bigger the potential for you to become a target. A lot of times we think about, you know, that life that red carpet life right you know or we want to be well known for you know the food that we cook or the hair that we do or the makeup that we do or or the speeches that we give or the books that we've written we, we think about that life okay you are author of course you want that jk Rowling, harry potter money of course you do because she's balling out of control too but the bigger your talent the bigger the potential for you to become a target okay interestingly And I'm going to say this and then I'm going to just walk on over to the next slide. But interestingly, um, Kevin Hart recently came out and admitted on Instagram that basically he had cheated on his wife. Okay, he had cheated on his wife. But part of the run up to his confession, he said, I've reached a point in my career where I've become a target. You know, they say that the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Think about what's happening with Harvey Weinstein right now. Okay, Weinstein right now, he getting that Bill Cosby treatment. Okay, he getting that Bill Cosby treatment. That brother's getting dragged. Okay, people are coming out the woodwork and the crevices in the corner and saying, "Yeah." Okay, and so the bigger you are, the bigger potential you have to have become a target. Okay, so keep in mind when you want fame, there is a price tag for that. There's a price tag for that. Anonymity is a blessing because when you're anonymous, that means you can make all your mistakes in the cut without being exposed. But when you get to a certain level, if you step wrong to the left or to the right, somebody's going to call you out on the carpet for it. And are you ready for that? So let's talk about how everybody that's in your circle is not necessarily in your corner. I did some digging and I found out that there are a lot of stars child stars okay so a lot of us are pushing our kids you know the fame and fortune and things like that that got scammed out of big money by their parents one of the biggest and most famous stories is shirley temple y'all know shirley temple the shirley temple curls on the good ship lollipop go ahead and, and google some shirley temple and see what comes up on youtube but Shirley Temple, for her day, okay, in the era of black and white movies, she had earned $3 million as a child star. So when you think about, you know, if you put that into today's terms, okay, she had earned close to $50 million, like her net worth, okay? That's how much she would have been worth in today. And when she decided to retire at the age of 20, she was very surprised to find that in her bank account, a mere $44,000. What happened to the rest of her money? Her parents got in it. That's what happened to the rest of her money. They had spent her fortune on their own extravagance and left her with next to nothing. Gary Coleman, what you talking about, Willis? Okay. I don't know if you guys realize how hard it is to be on set to memorize lines day in and day out. Because people will tell you, actors on some of the favorite shows that you watch, they on set from like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m five days a week and it is rough okay like this some 60 hour weeks okay so you put in a lot of time sitting around on set memorizing all them lines you earning all this money per episode Gary Coleman same thing sued his parents for decimating millions of dollars Macaulay Culkin Home Alone which is like one of my favorite Christmas movies I love that movie same thing sued his parents for millions of dollars in losses after the Home Alone movies you think yourself dang How could they do that to their own children? Because the bigger potential that your gift has, the more valuable you are, and the more valuable you are, the greater target you become. When people see greatness in you, pay attention. Pay attention to the ones that are trying to help you and pay attention to the ones that are trying to hold on to you to see what they can get from you. So now's my favorite part of Pi class to see what you guys have to say about this week's episode. Wow, so this one was uh, a little, uh, <laughs> a little powerful, a little shaking, uh, thinking about the character of the people um, in your life and turning a blind eye. Sometimes you you hear what they're actually saying and you want to believe it, but then the character doesn't reflect what it is that you're actually seeing and you're not seeing what you hear. And so like what do you do when it's that person is a, a family member or just a, a close loved one. That's that's a part of your tribe or that's your support system, what what we would call it. You need to cut it. No could it? no let me let me stop okay i have i I have believers i'm gonna own this okay and i pray about it but i have what's known as a machete ministry you know what a machete is a machete is that big knife that when you go through the jungle in the woods you just chopping left and right and you just cutting them down here and there i'm gonna tell you something my personality is such that i'm not gonna argue with you i'm gonna just stop jacking with you i will i am i am the queen of the cutoff but you know that's not compassionate. That's not what Jesus said. At the same time, there is something called boundaries. Okay, there is something called boundaries. And so there's a way to be in people's life, but not let them into your intimate, into intimate knowledge of what you're doing, intimate knowledge of your here's and there's and your goings-ons and things like that. You have to create some, some distance. And I know, I understand that that's sometimes that's hard to do. At the same time, you never have to apologize for protecting your sanity, your peace, or your happiness. You should never have to apologize for that, because if anybody in your family, someone that, that professes to love you, is taking away from that, you have the right to do that. And the thing is, is that a lot of times our family members don't even realize what they're doing or if you try to bring it to them, they get really defensive. And so once I've realized what someone's limitation is, OK, because the Bible says if your brother offends you, you should go to them in love and try to talk to them, try to reason with them. But the Bible also says that if you've reasoned with them and you didn't try to get somebody else to reason with them, it says you can even go all the way to the church and try to get them to reason with them. The Bible says if they will not hear you, you treat them like a heathen. You're no longer under any obligation. And I understand that that's hard. So what I say is create that distance in a way that is going to preserve the relationship to the extent that you're comfortable. But sometimes you do have to put up those boundaries to protect your peace, your happiness and your purpose. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. I always use this example with my students. I say, you know, I want you to imagine that some random person just opened up the door and shouted a bunch of curse words at you. I said, we most of us would probably laugh it off like, OK, somebody didn't take their medication today. Right. I said, but now imagine it's your mom or your dad or your sister or one of your kids. Right. I said, now that one, you're going to feel that. Okay, that one is going to hurt. That's how the enemy works. He ain't going to use no random stranger to come, you know, for you while you're in the pursuit of your purpose. He's going to use the people that are closest to you to try to tear that down. And so the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I always have to bring myself back to that, but against principalities and powers. So whoever these people are, that's just a manifestation of spiritual warfare. And I will say, take that to God, take that to God and let him fight that battle. So that is it, believers. If you have any questions, comments, takeaways and so forth, hit me up at Dr. Shante Says and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believing Bigger with Dr. Shantae. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to follow Dr. Shantae, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Shantae Says. Until next time, keep on believing bigger.